Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. God said to the children of Israel, Six days you go out and collect it. He said on the day before the Sabbath, remember what he told them? You collect double amount. Because on the Sabbath, I don't want you going out. There won't be any. And unlike any other day, if you want to go out on Monday and collect enough for Monday and Tuesday, by the end of Monday night, Tuesdays rotted. It was horrible. It required them, understand this principle, to go out daily and see that God would provide daily. The scriptures tell you that God will provide all that you need. Do you trust him to do that or do you sometimes worry about things? The Israelites had to trust God when they were traveling through the desert. God came through every day for 40 years. Pastor Mark is teaching that it's possible for you to trust God in the same way. It can be challenging in this land of great prosperity to realize that even for you, all that you have comes from God. Having a closer relationship with God will cause you to realize your dependence on Him, which will help you to let Him do your worrying for you. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 4 with part 1 of his message, Transfer All Things to God with Thanks. If you're going to study with us today, you need a Bible. And to do that, you just have to raise your hand and someone will bring you a Bible. I encourage you to do that because you will need to see the passages that we're studying because they have great application for you. So if you don't know how to turn or where to turn or what to look for, we will help you. It's not hard. It's very easy. We'll have a little cheat sheet. There's a cheat sheet already. And so you just go to the book of Philippians, Philippians. And if you go there, you can turn to Philippians chapter 4, and we'll be there in a moment. Just keep your hands raised till everybody gets a Bible. I noticed on Friday an amazing headline in the USA Today. And here's what it said. Coke stirs up secret recipe buzz. Let me read you the article. Coca-Cola on Thursday was all over Facebook and Twitter and YouTube to announce that it was physically moving its secret formula of Coke to a new vault in downtown Atlanta. To get into the safe requires four people. See, they have a secret they don't want anybody else to know. How many of you remember uh, a secret that had to do with chicken? Anybody remember? Anybody remember the colonel? The little, come on now. Here's KFC. The chicken kingpin considers the 11 herbs and spices in its original recipe to be one of the world's most valuable trade secrets. It is kept in a safe 
that's inside a vault at the company headquarters. And the article had two more. I'll mention them to you. McDonald's. Now, what's secret about McDonald's? Well, here it is. McDonald's secret recipe for its special sauce on a Big Mac is under lock and key in an undisclosed location. Probably the only one that knows that is Burger King. They know where that is. (laughs) And I'm going to give you the name of the last one. And you tell me who knows the secret to this. Bush's baked bean. Who knows the secret? Oh, a dog knows the secret. Their advertisement works really. A dog and one executive. The dog doesn't know the secret. Give me a break. Now, with all of that, I want to ask you a question. What is the secret to the cure for worry and where is it hidden? Does anybody have access to the vault where the secret to the cure of worry is? The answer is, yeah. Where is the secret hidden? Raise it up with me. Raise it up with me. It's in the Bible. The secret. Who has access to it? Anybody that what? Opens the Bible. So we're going to talk about that today and, and what that looks like. In Philippians 4, 6, let's read it. Here it goes. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. We've been talking about this disease called worry. What does it mean? Here's the original language and here's how it's defined. Worry, to be anxious about, to be pulled in two different directions. You see, worry is a divided mind that leads to an unstable mind, as the book of James tells us, that will affect you and me spiritually, emotionally, and of course, physically. Now, I want to remind you that everyone worries. Not just Christians, not just unbelievers. Every single person worries. And we learn that really the bottom line is that worry solves nothing and accomplishes nothing. It's really a waste of time. Jesus said in the book of Matthew, can you add an inch to your height? I've been trying ever since I was 20. Doesn't work. Can you add an hour to your day? No. And we learned early on that more than 80%, by the time we get there, more than 80 to thing, 80% of things we worry about, they either never will happen or they're not going to happen like we will. Or even the, the few percentage that are left, we couldn't do anything with it anyway. So we've been talking about that disease. Would you just turn to your neighbor right now and say, I have the disease of worry. Would you just do it? Just turn to your neighbor and I. Yeah. Some of you'd like to change seats, but it doesn't matter because the person next to you, when you go to change a seat, they have the same disease. Is it contagious? Yes, it is. Just go to Sam's. Just go to Sam's. 
We're always looking for something new. Worried about it, aren't we? I was there the other day. Who ever heard of a 90-inch television? My house isn't that wide. <laughs> We're crazy. I'm worried I got to have the latest. Come on now. So we began to give us five cures to worry. Cure number one, trust. Have faith in the Lord. If I'm going to solve my worry problem, it involves trust in the Lord. Look at Psalm 37. Trust in the Lord, not in church, not in your wisdom, not in your job, not in yourself. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. The next part of this verse has a priority to it. It has a sequence to it. Take delight in the Lord, notice, and he will give you your heart's desires. It does not say, whatever you desire, bring it to God. No, we take delight in God and his will, and he rearranges our desire to match his desire for our life. And then it says this, commit everything you do to the Lord, trust him, And he will help you. So the first cure to worry is found in trust or faith in God and his promises. Look at that verse again right in front of you, 4-6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. There's prayer, then there's petition, then there's thanksgiving, and then there's request. Four types of prayer, really. So cure number two Write it down if you haven't been here or go back and certainly get the DVD or the CD or get online in the iPod and listen to it. Cure number two, pray about what? Tell me, tell me. Everything. Everything. Pastor Mark, what is prayer? We get prayer mixed up. It's very simple. It's this. Prayer is two-way conversation with a loving God. We are to pray. We've been instructed Whenever we have a need, and all through the day, it's not just about the need, it's not just about the worry, it's about a relationship. You see, prayer is two-way. Very often, we use prayer one way. I just tell God what I need, and I don't wait for the answer. But prayer is two-way. It's about a relationship. Your marriage, if your marriage is healthy... There's going to be two-way talking. There's going to be a relationship where you're talking back and forth. You're saying something, the wife's saying something, back and forth. They go. If it's unhealthy, very often it's one way. Well, my husband never listens. My wife doesn't care. Well, no, the, prayer is, is two-way. It, it involves both you and God involved in that. Now, those words we learned last week, prayer, is not just like this. Oh, dear God, bless this day. Thanks for your help. See you. You see, Jesus warned about just saying words. Just saying words. So we learn when our words are directed to God, they must be mixed with expectation. Why would we waste our time asking God for something if we never believed he was going to do it? So our prayers have to be filled with expectation that when I present my prayers to God, he will respond to my request. And we learn that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So to be effective, our prayers must be mixed with faith about a God who I know cares, 
and hears and answers. Now, where does faith come from? It comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that's why it's so important you have a Bible. That's why it's so important that you understand that what we're teaching you today, as you turn to that verse, as you read it, everything you read in the Bible is true. It's all true. The world is clueless about the Bible. I wish I didn't have to say that about many Christians. But it's also true. They're brilliant in a million ways. But their understanding of the word of God is so small. Because, and when it's so small, then faith is matching it. It's very small. So the more you and I hear the word of God, the more you're taught the word of God, that's what we try to do, the more faith I have. So when I pray, my prayer is useful. Because prayer without faith is no good at all. See, worry doesn't accomplish anything. But prayer does. James 5.16 says this. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. But sometimes we, we just simply forget to pray. So we gave you a little clue to remind you to pray a little more often. Anybody remember what that was? Green light. Green light. There you are. Beautiful. How many of you, when you came to a green light this week, how many of you a, a few times prayed? Let me, let me see your hand. Good, good. Now put those on. How many saw lots of green lights, didn't pray at all? Let me see your hand. Come on, let me see your hand. Let's just pray for them right now. Dear God, we just missed it. Then. You atheist, you, what's wrong with you? God, I pray that every green light turns to a red light for them. No, that's not right. So why did I do that? Why did I say when you come to a green light, pray? Because it reminds us. It doesn't have to be complicated. And I want to encourage you this week to do it again. I didn't do it perfectly every time. You know what I did a lot of times when I saw a green light this week, when I remembered? I just said, God, thanks that I can pray. It doesn't have to be complicated. Other times when I went through it, I went, oh, that was a green light. So I turned right around, went right back again and came to No, I didn't either. But remind yourself, and by the way, who are we praying to? Well, what kind of a God? The all-knowing, the all-powerful, the nothing-is-impossible God. That's a privilege. That's an amazing responsibility. So really, bottom line, I'm giving you five things because they all connect. But the bottom line, the ultimate cure for the disease of worry is prayer. It is prayer. Here's cure number three. Do your part with God's help. Here in Matthew 6.25, Jesus explains that. Notice what he says. You see it. Notice what it says. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. What that really means in the original language is this. Take no anxious thought. Do not worry about your life. What you will eat, drink, about your body, what you will wear, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes. Notice as you look at that, Jesus is not saying, don't think about life. Don't make any plans for life. Jesus is saying this, take no anxious thought about life. You see, there's a huge difference between valid concern 
and worry. So what is Jesus saying to us? He's saying this. Don't worry doesn't mean don't care or don't be responsible. It means, as you see 37.3 say, trust in the Lord and you do good. Let me give you an illustration of how that works. There's some things God will do in our lives. And there's some things God's going to ask you to have part of. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel were in something called the wilderness. It was desert. There were no publics. There was no store. There was no crops. There was no way to take care of themselves. So here's two million people. What will God do? Well, God provided for them supernaturally. For 40 years, six days a week, God provided for them what? Tell me. Manna. Nana bread, manna whatever, manna waffles, manna whatever. And all they had to do was go out six days a week and collect it. So God provided it, but what did they have to do? Well, one of the guys said, well, God's going to provide it. I'll just sit here and wait for God to bring it into my little tent. Is it going to happen? No. Oh, Pastor Mark, God's going to provide for me. Are you working? No, not really. I'm just sitting here waiting for somebody on monster.com to call me. Would you put an ad on there? No, I think somebody will put it on for me. You're going to starve to death. You see, there's some things we do. You should be taking some anxious thought. Because you haven't done what you can do. Now, with those things that we do, God gives instructions. God said to the children of Israel, six days you go out and collect it. He said on the day before the Sabbath, remember what he told them? You collect double amount. Because on the Sabbath, I don't want you going out. There won't be any. And unlike any other day, if you want to go out on Monday and collect enough for Monday and Tuesday, by the end of Monday night, Tuesdays rotted. It was horrible. It required them, understand this principle, to go out daily and see that God would provide daily. Do you remember the New Testament? Give us this day our daily bread. Now, why did God do that? Why couldn't he give a man? And it says it's good till December 23rd. You know, when you buy a loaf of bread, you go like, eh, it's only good two days. Forget it. Where's the other kind here? Why did he do Because he wanted them to experience trusting him for how much? One day. Well, those people that collected double on the day before the Sabbath when they went home, it was perfect for the next day. Some people didn't believe God. So on the Sabbath, they went looking for it. They were very hungry on the Sabbath because there was none. See, so there's some things God will do and there's some things you and I have to do. Now, when the children of Israel get into the promised land, what happens? Manna stops. Why? Because they're in a land that is plentiful, that they can farm, that they can get wheat and corn, and they can do all the different things. They can. So they're going to go out to plant it, and they're going to put it in the ground, and they're going to take care of it, and they're going to harvest it, and they're going to have bread. See, if we can do it, God expects us to do it. When we can't, he'll do it. So understand there's, a, there's an amazing cooperation between God and you and me. John Wesley said this. 
Pray like it depends on God. And work like it depends on you. Can you imagine today, if I just came up this morning and said, well, I'm just trusting God to give me a good sermon today. I haven't studied it all, so let's see what happens. There'd be less and less of you every single week. Because I just ramble on for an hour. You say, well, Pastor Mark, that's what you do anyway. Wait a minute, wait a minute. With nothing to say. I have plenty to say. God's going to anoint what I say because it's already anointed from the word. But guess what I have to do? I have to study. The Bible says the same for you. Study to show yourself approved. You know, we have classes 101 all the way to 701. What are they? They're discipleship classes. You should be in one. Pastor Mark, I'd like to be this great Christian. Great, great. You have to do your part. Well, can it like just come on me? No. It's things you're going to have to do. You have to discipline yourself. So when we have the 101 in January, get yourself plugged in. So understand, John Wesley, great principal, great pastor. Pray like it depends on God, but work like it depends on you. That brings up to us the fourth cure for worry. Turn with me to 1 Peter. It's just back almost to the end of the New Testament where you're at. You'll see where it is. It's very close to where you're at. And as you turn there, I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. 1 Peter chapter 5. There you go. Right there is 1 and 2 Peter. Almost to the end of the Bible. And go down to verse 6. Here's what the Bible says. Humble yourselves... Therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. First Peter 5, 6. Humble yourself. We'll look at verse 7. Then cast all your anxiety or worries on him because he cares for you. That brings up our fourth key. Will you write it down? Here's the fourth key to the disease of worry, the cure that we need. Transfer all things to God with thanks. Then we can rest. So I'm to transfer them. I'm to cast them on him. But the first key is not verse 7. The first key is verse 6. When we are worried... We are to humble ourselves. What does it mean to humble yourselves? It means to ask somebody for help. In this case, we're asking God. You see, I don't like to do that. Most of us have this sin nature that says this, I'll do it myself and I'll do it my way. I don't want to ask for help. I don't need help. But God says, you're not going to get rid of worry Unless you humble yourself and ask me for some help. But that's not all it says. Look at the next verse. Then we're to transfer our cares and worries to him. Today, you were reminded that you can't handle all the situations in your life. The world without Jesus tries all kinds of things to try to deal with the stresses they have in their lives. Pastor Mark taught that you need a solution way to take the pressure off of your life and that the only one who can meet this need is God. The relief that comes is amazing. 
Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue the teaching, Transfer All Things to God with Thanks. He will tell you more about what the Bible says about the disease of worrying, what the cures are for it. You'll learn why Christ followers are not supposed to worry, and about all of the damage worry can do to your body, mind, and spirit. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series, Contagious Outrageous Joy. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.